Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. In today's podcast, we're going to break down John chapter 8. And one thing that's really stood out to me since I started these podcasts and studying the book of John is the fact that how so many people, and not just religious leaders, but your average Joe shopping at Market Square, they did not believe in Jesus. You know, one would think that the people who would be so excited just because they've heard of this great prophet that was coming for so long, they were expecting the Messiah. They knew the Old Testament scriptures and they knew the prophecies. And God has been silent for around 400 years after he has spoken through all these prophets. And then Jesus, God in the flesh, he shows up. And they could not understand that he was the Messiah because they knew his family. Despite his mind-blowing, awesome teaching And the miracles that he was performing everywhere that he went, they just could not get it. You know, it doesn't take much faith, really none at all, if you can see the person or the thing standing there in front of you. And there stands Jesus right there in front of them, yet they're faithless. They have no faith that he is the Messiah. And in John chapter 8, it just all comes to a boiling point. Because at the end of the chapter, we'll see Jesus says two words, I am. And they get so mad, they immediately pick up stones to stone Jesus to death. But spoiler alert, he escapes. But before we get way ahead of ourselves, we have to break down the story of the woman caught in adultery. And guess who is leading the charge? You're right. The teachers of the law, these Bible thumpers, if you will along with the Pharisees. I want to read this story to you. It's found in verses 1 through 11 in John chapter 8. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And you can just hear their their, their tone of accusations. What do you got to say about this? And they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again, and he said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus is hanging out at the temple, and he's teaching. And as he's teaching... A crowd starts to gather, and he gets bigger and bigger. He is seated probably in the the outer court where the people gather to worship at the temple. And 
this crowd starts to grow and it is surrounding him and they're they're listening to his teachings intently. I mean, can't you just see them as Jesus sits in the middle of them or around and, and the crowd just gathers around Jesus and, and they're teaching and, and all eyes are just attached on Jesus, looking at him in awe as he teaches with authority. And then in walks the Pharisees and it just it just Everything comes to a screeching halt. Jesus quits teaching, and they're they're looking to see what this commotion is all about. And it, it, it's it's the Pharisees and these religious leaders bringing in this n- completely naked woman, and they bring her in front of the crowd, and not to humili- hum- humiliate her because they they could care less about this woman. But their goal is to humiliate Jesus right there in front of all those people. They wanted to challenge Jesus to try to trap him so they can disprove that he is the Messiah in front of all of these people and make sure that these people know that he's a joke. Now, under the law, which they knew very well, in reality, the man was also guilty and was under the punishment of stoning, but they didn't bring the man. They only brought the woman which shows their intent. And so they asked Jesus, this woman's guilty. She's caught in the very act of adultery. What do you have to say about it? We want to know what your opinion is. She, she should be stoned under God's law, under the Mosaical law. But what do you got to say about it? And Jesus didn't even acknowledge him. He just doodles in the dirt. And John says, they, that they just kept demanding an answer. Well, in the Greek language, the imperfect tense is used here, which means they kept on asking over and over and over again. Now, how, how many times have you been in some type of argument or a confrontation with someone and, and you ask them a question and they don't say anything? But don't you just get angrier and, and, and maybe say it again, only a little louder, a, a, a little sterner? That's what's going on here. Jesus is doodling in the dirt. He's not paying any attention to these religious leaders. And their blood is boiling. This woman is probably over here crying, asking for mercy as she stands there naked in front of all of these people. And they're getting so angry and they demand an answer. Because remember why they're here. They want to humiliate Jesus in front of all of these people at the temple. So they can disprove that he is the Messiah. And Jesus sits there silently, riding in the dirt. Tell us now, what do you have to say about this situation? Angry. The law says she should be stoned to death. We want to know, what do you have to say about this? Say something. They don't care what Jesus has to say. They just think that they're going to trap Jesus. They're going to trip him up. And so Jesus stands up, and he's probably looking at the religious leaders eye to eye. And you know they're getting ready just to pounce on him when he speaks. All right, boys, here we go. He's facing the talk, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna trap him. We're going to have him right where we want him. And so Jesus, looking at him, standing, he speaks. And he says, all right, you know, She's guilty. 
obviously. You caught her in the very act. There's no denying that. But here's the deal. Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he just kneels back down and starts doodling in the dirt again, waiting, listening. What are they saying? What is the religious leader saying? What, are the, what is the crowd saying? Oh, wait. <laughs> They're not so demanding anymore. And now they begin to walk away one by one from the oldest to the youngest until there was none left, only the crowd that was originally there listening to Jesus' teachings. And Jesus stands up again and he says to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. The religious leaders and the Pharisees were right. This woman deserved to die by stoning under the very law God gave Moses. But that, as I said a while ago, that was not their concern. This woman wasn't even their concern. They could care less about this woman. But trapping Jesus was their concern, and it was an epic fail. The woman, still naked and probably afraid of what was going to happen to her, discovers the heart of God. She discovers grace. She discovers mercy. She discovers compassion and forgiveness. She discovers what true love, real love, was all about. She didn't get what she deserved because she deserved death, but she was given life. She was given grace. And we too, we, me and you, all of us, we deserve death. We deserve hell because of our sin. Yet Jesus says, I, I, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, Jesus gives life. He gives us grace. He gives us mercy. He shows compassion on us. And He displayed His love for us by dying on the cross to be the punishment for our sin. And He came out of that tomb alive and He extends that life to us are we going to do the same to others are we going to show compassion are we going to show grace are we going to have mercy are we going to have that kind of love that agape love that God has for us are we going to put that on display because that's the Jesus of the book of John he is not a condemning God the only time that he is condemning is when he is condemning the religious leaders because they should have been displaying all of these things, all of these characteristics of God beforehand and pointing people to God, but they do the very opposite. And so Jesus condemns them over and over and over again. We have to be Jesus. Because we are the hands and we are the church. We are the extension of Jesus. Jesus came and he left. He empowered 12 men to go out and, and be light and, and, and to start his kingdom and, and, to, and to build his kingdom. And those apostles have died and, and, and moved on and we're, we're all that he has left. 
And so he, he lives inside of us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And he works through us if we allow him to. And if we are not displaying those characteristics that I just shared with you, as Jesus did with this, I mean, look, we're all guilty. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're not here to be judgmental. We're not here to condemn people. That is not our jobs. That is God's job. God, God's word condemns people. Our job is to be Jesus. And when Jesus was dealing with people in the New Testament, in the four Gospels, in particular in the book of John, because that's what we're studying, He showed grace. He showed mercy. He showed compassion. He showed love to anybody and everybody that He came in contact with. Even the religious people. Even the religious leaders, even even the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's why Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who were Pharisees, became believers. Jesus was just that way with people. We have to be that way with people. We cannot there's enough condemnation in this world without Christians being uh, condemning toward others. If you want to point a brother or sisters, uh, somebody who is in the faith, if you want to, if you know they're in sin, yes, we are to condemn their sin. We are to go to that brother and sister. That's what Jesus tells us to do in Matthew. To go to that brother or sister and point out their sin and say, hey, you are in sin. And you need to repent of this and turn away from it. And you go to them privately. And if that doesn't work, then you take witnesses. And if that doesn't work, then you bring it before the church. But people of the world who are without Christ, who are walking in darkness, is the way Jesus explains people who live in sin. They're walking in darkness. It's not our job to condemn them. It's God's job. And here is a great example of a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and she knew that she was guilty. There was no getting out of it. There was no denying it. And the law says that she is to be stoned along with the man who wasn't even on the scene. And Jesus says, okay, if you're guilty, you can throw the first stone. I mean, if, if you're not guilty of sinning, you can, throw the, uh, you can throw the first stone. And all those religious leaders knew they were guilty of sin. And so they put their stones down, and they walked away one by one. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. I'm telling you, Christian, when we start looking at people that there is a soul that needs to be saved, instead of looking, just a few podcasts ago, Jesus said, look beyond what's on the outward shell and get to the heart of the matter because that's what the religious leaders were doing they were looking at the outside and making judgments from the what they see on the outside of a person instead of getting to the heart of the matter and that's their soul jesus was concerned with people's hearts so should we 
We should not be concerned with what's going on on the outside of a person. It does not matter. What matters is what's in their heart because if, 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 if their heart is changed by God, then everything else will fall in place. But if their hearts are not changed, well, they're going to continue to walk in darkness and they're going to continue to walk in sin and they're going to continue to be evil because by nature our hearts are evil because of sin, because of fa- we're, we're fallen. We are a fallen race, the human race. We, Adam and Eve messed it up. They got kicked out of the garden. They, they went against what God said to do, and we're still paying the price. But see, that's the beauty of what Jesus did on the cross. We don't have to pay that price anymore. Jesus paid it. But we have to show God's grace and mercy and love and compassion and other things so that they would want, to, they would want Jesus. But if we come at them condemning, well, they already get that from the world. So why would they want our Jesus? Let's take a break. Somebody else lost their board and even know who it was. The board out, 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 blank, right on my shoulder. One thing that really just sticks in my crawl is, is how Christians can be so condemning, especially toward people of the world. I, I I was just listening to a podcast the other day uh, with Unashamed uh, with the Duck Dynasty guys, and and they were talking about uh, wearing a hat in the church building, and and how uh, one of the uh, Al was talking about one of the church members was offended because some of these uh, people who had never been to church before had showed up, and they were there at church, and they were all wearing hats, and and that guy told him that he better take care of that hat situation. And Al said, there's nothing going to be said about those hats. It's the first time these guys ever stepped foot in a church building, and we're about to be Jesus to these people. We just get so caught up over petty little things. I remember one time when I was a teenager, and I've been a Christian since I was 11 years old. My sister led me to the Lord, uh, thankfully, when I was 11 years old. Um, I was raised in church all my life, I guess. Um, But anyway... I just remember I was at a church and and just a teenager and and I put my foot up on the pew because I was talking to to a, a, somebody and I put my foot up on the pew to just to just arrest myself and I didn't think of, um, to me it's a bench with a pad and and this this guy basically slapped my leg off of the pew. And he says, "Brother, please." I was like, "What?" I mean, it scared scared the crap out of me. I was like, "What? What would I do? What I do?" And he said, "Have respect for the Lord's furniture." And I was like, "Are you?" I didn't say nothing to him. I was like, "Oh, okay, sorry." I want to say, "Are you kidding me, dude?" First of all, this is a block brick building made of wood and brick and concrete and carpet, and this is a piece of wood with padding. With some material over it, so we can sit on it. It has this building has nothing to do with God. God lives in us, not this building. So you know, if you want to get technical about it, everything belongs to God. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that. But we as Christians, we belong to Christ, and Christ is not condemning. Christ is full of compassion. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. And he is the ultimate display of what 
unconditional love is all about. And that's what we're supposed to be about. Now, getting back to John chapter 8, can you imagine what this crowd was thinking when they're watching all this unfold? And As Jesus begins a dialogue with the Pharisees and, and the crowd through, uh, through, uh, through the rest of this chapter, and he, he's, he's going to be, again, just telling them, or trying to tell them who he is and where he's from and what he's all about. And they have a, a major problem with it. They just, they just don't get it. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it, it, it's a verse that many people are familiar with. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And over nine times in his writings, John either talks about Jesus being light or he quotes Jesus saying that he is light. Now, what does light do? Light exposes what's in the dark. And if you have children, you know exactly what I mean. Because they have toys laying around. And how many times have you got up to go use the restroom or something in the middle of the night and it's dark in the house and you stepped on one of those toys or you tripped over one of those toys and it hurts really bad, right? Or you stubbed your toe on, the, on a dresser or something because you couldn't see it. But if the light was on... You'd be able to see it, and, and you know, and walk away, walk your way around it, maneuver around it, because the light exposes what's in the dark. You'd be able to see it. It's really that simple, and that's what Jesus did. He he came in the world as light, and he exposed the darkness. and And Jesus said, "That's why you're in the last chapter in John chapter six. That's why you're trying to kill me, because I I, I, I I'm I, I'm exposing people's sin, and they hate me for it." And so, here is this woman who was in sin. In other words, she's in darkness. And Jesus has forgiven her. And therefore, she is now walking in the light. It's, it's, a, it's really a new concept to this crowd of Jews. They can no longer rely uh, on them being the seed of Abraham or the descendants of Abraham. They're, they're going to have to follow Jesus if they want their sins to be forgiven and they want to have a relationship with God the Father, they have to go through Jesus. And many of them are going to have a hard time getting this concept. Now John says in, 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 in the reading in John chapter 8, if you read the chapter, there are some that believe his teachings there at the temple. But they, they, just, they, they get upset with Jesus and they, they ask him, Who are you? Where are you from? Who is your father? But what really gets in their crawl is when Jesus says to them in verse 31 and 32, he says, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You remember what Pilate asked Jesus at the, at the so-called trial? In John 18, 37, 38, Pilate says, So you are a king? And Jesus responded, You say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and, and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize what I say is true. And Pilate asked, what is truth? Well, he should have said, who is truth? Because we know who the truth is. Jesus is the truth. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come into the Father except through me, which is why we pray in Jesus' name when we go to the Father in prayer. 
And this is what he is trying to explain to this crowd and to these religious, uh, religious leaders of his day. If you want a relationship with God, you can no longer rely on the fact that you are a Jew, that you are a descendant of Abraham. You have to believe in me, the truth. And the truth, or me, I, Jesus says, will set you free. And they perked up when he said this, and they let him know real quick. We are descendants of Abraham, and we have never been slaves to anyone. So what do you mean you'll be set free? Listen to verses 34 through 53. <clears throat> Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Do you get that? Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. That's everybody, except for Jesus. He's the only one who has never sinned. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham. And yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. See, there it is. That's the, the whole, that, that, that's the heart of the problem right there. People's hearts. You're trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are, you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. But instead, you are trying to kill me because I told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. And they replied, We aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. And Jesus told them, If God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. Jesus said, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? None of them. And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. This is what Jesus said. And the people re re uh, retorted, You Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me. For I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, now we know you were possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died, you know, and how great they were. They all died. But you say anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Stuff. Remember that song? Well, you probably don't remember that song. But it was from when I was a kid. Anyway, there was a song that said, Who do you think you are? But they, they see, they're just, they just, they can't get it. Because people, the, the Bible says, in the book of Hebrews, it is appointed unto man to die once, and after this, the judgment. Everybody's going to die. At some point, 
Every person that's ever walked the face of this earth is going to take their last breath and their heart's going to beat its last time and they're going to be buried or cremated or however they go and choose to be buried. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is talking spiritually because at some point, whether when, I don't know how you believe, but some people think that we sleep when we're dead and some people believe that we we go straight to heaven when we die if we belong to to god if we've been washed in the blood of jesus but even those who sleep when jesus comes back and returns he's going to take the dead in christ first and and he's going to call us all up and he's going to separate the sheep from the goats and but what jesus is saying is they will never die because if they are in christ that there is something beyond this life and it's called eternity. And we're going to spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. We're going to, if we're washing the blood of Jesus and we've been walking with God, we've been, fo- uh, we've been following Christ and, and picking up our cross on a daily basis, and we're trying our best to live for Him on a daily basis, and we're being faithful to Him, then we're going to be in heaven with Him. But if we're like these people and we just choose not to believe what in Jesus, in, in what God has said in his word, then he's going to reject us. He, he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In other words, I never had a relationship with you. And those people who have rejected Jesus will be cast into hell for eternity, wishing that they had a second chance that they will never get. These people just didn't get that. They just didn't get it even though they hear the teachings, they see the miracles, they know the prophecies about the Messiah, and here here is the Messiah in the flesh, Jesus, having a discussion with them, and all they want to do is argue. But you know what? It's really no different today. People do the same thing, and it's even worse because Jesus is not standing before them. And They hear the scriptures, Sometimes they might weigh the evidence and they'll do their best to argue and disprove the facts and they choose not to believe. Let me tell you something. God does not send anybody to hell. People choose to go there. It's their choice. It's our choice. We have the Word of God. We know what to do. We share the Word of God. We tell people how to get to heaven. And it's as easy as this. Jesus died on the cross. He was resurrected. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried for three days and he was resurrected. And he came out alive and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And those who believe on Jesus and what he's done for us and live for him, they get to go to heaven. It's that simple. But too many times people choose to stay in darkness instead of walking in the light and being set free by the truth. They choose to remain in bondage to sin. And if you die in that condition, you will be eternally separated from God. So in this dialogue, two times they ask Jesus, Who are you? Who do you think you are? Well, you know what? He's trying to tell you, but you won't listen. And so Jesus just tells him straight up, You don't know God like you claim. In verses 54 through 56, Jesus answered, If I want glory for myself, it doesn't count, but it is the Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him, 
If I said otherwise, I would be as great as a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. That's the difference between the two right here. Jesus says, I know him and I obey him. You don't know him and you don't obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. You don't know God, but I do because he sent me is what Jesus says. And oh, by the way, your father Abraham, he was looking forward to my coming and he saw it and he was glad. And this blew their mind. You're not even 50 years old. How can you even say that you've seen Abraham? And Jesus is about to lower the boom on these people. In verse 58, he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, before Abraham was even born, I am. And when he said I am, they knew exactly what he was saying. And here's what Jesus just told these people. Number one, I was around before Abraham was ever even born. But when he said I am, they knew that he was equating himself to God, that he himself is deity. Because of what God told Moses when Moses asked in Exodus chapter 3, Who shall I tell the people is sending me to deliver them? And God told Moses, he says, I am that I am. Tell Israel, I am sent you. Jesus just point blank tells them, I am God. That's what he was saying when he said, I am. And at this saying, they picked up the stones to kill him. Why? Because they thought he was guilty of blasphemy. The religious leaders constantly tried to catch Jesus blaspheming God, but they couldn't. And they thought that they had caught him here, but they didn't. Blasphemy was the charge they made against Jesus in that pathetic trial when they, uh, when they had put him on the cross. They claimed he blasphemed God because he said he could rebuild the temple or tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. But he was talking about his body or himself. And that's exactly what happened. He was killed, crucified on the cross and was in the tomb for three days and he came out alive on the third day. So yet here's another attempt to kill Jesus, but it wasn't successful because it wasn't God's will. He gets away, but can you imagine having to live your life on a daily basis knowing that everywhere you go, people want you dead and they're trying to kill you? In some countries, even today, people are killed for their Christian faith. Here in the United States, which I love, and you know we take it for granted, but we, we have the freedom to worship God the way we want. And for the most part, there is little persecution. You know, people may talk about us. Every now and then you may see a hate crime and somebody will die for their faith. But not like in other countries. Not like it was in the Bible when they were being beheaded and, and being persecuted left and right. We need to be taking advantage of the blessing we have in this country and spread this awesome message of love and grace and mercy and compassion. Why don't we? And not with a condemning attitude, but with an attitude of agape love. Jesus died for you. And he rose out of that tomb victorious so that you could be set free from the bondage of sin. Why would you choose to remain in sin? You can argue the facts all you want to. You can take all the evidence and weigh it as much as you need to. 
to make that decision. But why would you choose hell? Why would you choose to continue to live in sin, in the bondage of sin, and not having your sins forgiven so that you can have a relationship with God? Why would anybody choose to live in darkness? It's painful. Things happen in the dark. You know, things go bump in the night. And it's painful. Just like when you step on a child's toy. Why not come to the light so the light can expose what's in the darkness? And it's a lot better life, trust me. What's your choice? Are you going to choose light, Jesus, or are you going to choose darkness and evil and live in sin? It's your choice, heaven or hell. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just oh my, grind it. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life, all my life.